This is Rugger Matrix America. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Alex Goff with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And normally I would be saying that I am coming to you from the the gentle sanctuary that is my rugbymag.com office. But this past weekend I encountered an arachnid the size of which I have not seen in many many years. The thing was about the size of the, an umbrella. And while we did manage to get it out of the office um, and send it to its reward, I am uh, not a relaxed person in this office anymore. Um, and and it's very difficult for me. So <laughs> It really is. It's, it's terribly difficult. And okay, it's not the size. Of, I'll tell you how big it was. I actually have a disposable coffee cup in my office for trapping vermin. Right? It's just your regular, your regular like styrofoam coffee cup that you'd get your grande in, okay? The spider was too big to fit inside that cup. It was too wide for the mouth of that cup. That's how big wow. it was. It's a big spider. So what did you what was your shoeing tactic you know tactic? Honestly? Honestly? Yeah. Okay, honestly, I said, holy crap, and Mrs. Goff on rugby came in and killed it. <laughs> that's what happened she picked she picked up something heavy and she beat the crap out of it <laughs> and then we got All right. yeah i i'm i'm in charge of the mice she's in charge of the spiders that's the way it goes fair enough how are you guys doing any vermin attacks no i'm uh i'm good no vermin attacks here right well we've got a good show this time because we are talking about developments almost directly related to our last show. And then, of course, the USA World Cup qualifiers with Canada. We'll be right back on Rugamatrix America. Rugby fans, don't forget that the USA 7's International Rugby Tournament is not that far off. I know it's the beginning of summer, but it's not too soon to start clearing your calendar for the biggest rugby party on U.S. soil. The USA 7s will bring 16 of the best international teams to Las Vegas on January 24th to 26th. Yeah, it's two weeks earlier this time, and don't forget, there's also the Las Vegas Invitational. You're a rugby fan, and you're also a rugby player, and the LVI has competitive opportunities for 7s, 15s, young, old, and in between. High level, or just here for the fun. It's all in Las Vegas. Everybody's here for the fun in Las Vegas. Go to USA7s.com for more. Okay, we're back on Rugged Matrix America. Don't forget to check out our magazine on the iPad and on other readers. And also check out the RugbyMag.com premiere subscription where you get the magazine. You also get exclusive uh, columnists like Shalom Suniula, Wasali Sarevi. Uh, and in addition, you also get uh, some exclusive news. Uh, we broke first that Matt Hawkins was going to be the – the USA Sevens national team coach got that on Premiere. You would have found that out if you were a Premiere subscriber. That's the sort of thing you find out. So, guys, Bruce McLean, Pat Clifton, with Alex Goff here from Rugby Mag. Um, we had our last guest was actually Matt Hawkins, and we didn't ask him directly if he was going to be the national team coach because we knew he was a candidate, and we didn't want to put him on the spot because all he would do is say. 
I can't talk about it, which is kind of uncomfortable. So we talked a little, we all circled around it. He talked about player philosophy. He talked about coaching philosophy, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And then he got the job. Uh, Didn't you ask him directly if he applied and he said no? I'm pretty sure I would ask that question. I'm pretty sure I I did ask that question. You skirted around it. I remember that. Well, all right. But what what do you guys think? What do you think about He's skirting around it. He certainly skirting around it. Yeah. He's skirting around it. I don't I don't think Pat or you skirted around it. Yeah. Uh what Bruce, what do you think? Uh I think it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for him, that's for sure. And only because I mean, as at least as I was alluding to, he has to cut players that he played with. Um, you know, that as much as they say there's been improvements, and, and there certainly may have been, but there hasn't been improvements in in the results in the ranking. So if they keep selecting the same guys, they're going to keep getting what they've gotten. So certain people are going to go. Um, approaches are going to have to change because if they keep doing what they've been doing, they're going to keep getting what they've been getting. So there's going to be changes that are going to be very difficult for him for, to implement. Because he's one of the boys. Now he that, that and that's the hardest part of being so shortly removed out of there. Then in the article that you guys put up or that we put up, I mean, I guess I'm I'm part of the team too, and I should stop saying you guys. Um, the uh, he's when asked if he was going to be playing at all, he's like, I don't know, and if I am playing, Dave Williams will handle the sideline. I I think that has to be known pretty out pretty out in front and it would be my suggestion not to play. Um, I, I think that he would be better off wearing one hat. I'm, I'm sure it's worked somewhere um, in seven. So I can't say, Hey, without, without a doubt in general, player coaches struggle in rugby because you start to focus on what are the other guys doing, not yourself. You're trying to organize things, but you can't evaluate there's a lot going on. You, you have to prepare mentally as a player and as a coach. You're in two minds. Um, it's just it's just a weird dynamic. I think it's a really weird dynamic on an international stage. I think it could be I you know, it, it could work. I I don't see how it could work well. So. Yeah, they, he he's got to he's got to really sit down, and I'm sure he has done because he's a he's a pretty shrewd operator. I mean, you don't you don't get to be an international coach if you're not a shrewd operator, and and you you know you understand the politics of it all. So the uh, but if he isn't decisive about it, and he is, he goes in with a half a foot in one pool and a half a foot in the other pool. He's going to wind up slipping and falling and hitting himself in the nuts in between both of the pools. So I think that the key is to dive into whatever pool he's going to dive into and stay in it. And I think that'll work best. That's just my opinion. I, it's going to be difficult for me to out of the box. I, just because of the relationships, you, you can't travel that much with those guys and not be close to them and understand that they have Olympic dreams and everything. And you're essentially going to crush some of them big time. Pat, what do you think? I mean, I agree with Bruce. I think that it's going to take um, – it's it's definitely a tough task. And I think that – I mean, ultimately, I think Matt is a good 
pick as a coach. To me, the timing is obviously weird, and it's not ideal because he just has been playing with all these guys for the whole time. I don't really have, and he hasn't, he really doesn't have that much head coaching experience, um, if we're honest about it. I mean, he's got some coaching San Diego State and a little bit with, you know, one season with the old Aztecs. But in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't have that much head coaching experience. I think that his knowledge of the game, um, the fact that he's a good communicator, the fact that he's a pretty smart guy and that he understands, um, you know, the circuit and all that goes into it um, will make him a good coach. Um, but early on, I could definitely see there being hurdles. I'd, long term, he's not going to play, be a player coach for, for long term and have that work out. So for as long as he's trying to do that, I think he's going to struggle. Um, to, to really excel on the coaching end of things. So I think that's just player coach, just one of the dynamics that you have to worry about, just like Bruce said, in terms of having to cut players he's been with. Um, and, and, you know, maybe in every team dynamic or in most team dynamics, at least that I've been a part of, there are guys that don't particularly like other guys that they're on the same team with. Well, now he's not only going to be coaching guys that maybe he really did like and respected their work ethic. There may be a guy or two that, Maybe he wasn't that big of a fan of who he's got to make decisions on as a professional coach now and not a personal decision. So I think it goes a little bit both ways, potentially. Um, I'm just guessing there. I don't, that's pure speculation. I'm not saying that there's a guy on the team that Matt disrespects or, or, or doesn't like, but that's a possibility, right? So I, I as definitely you said think it's likely. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, if it, if that team's like any team I've ever been a part of in any sport at any level. That's, there's probably some something like that going on somewhere. So, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, it is, but at the end of the day, I think he could be the right guy. The matter is, how long is it going to take him uh, to, to find his sea legs? Um, not just him, Davey Williams is in a new position as well. Um, I do like the, the experience Davey's had with the Sevens team, and I, I like the fact that they're keeping Andy Gato on in some capacity, it sounds like, um, for some continuity there. So I think that's good. It's just going to – how long does it take him to find his legs? How you know how many steps backwards do you take in that time, and uh, and how quickly can you start accelerating once once he has an idea of what the job is and what he's doing and 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 adjusting? Because I mean, like just like last year, right? I, everybody is going to look at the Alex Bagleby period as a great period. Well, last fall was pretty awful. Last fall leading into last winter, this team was pretty bad and doing really poorly, and it took Alex Magleby some time. And he wasn't a player coach, and he didn't have those same relationships with these guys to get his feet under him. So it's going to take Matt some time, too. Um, so it just depends on that learning curve. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, Matt could be the guy. I think that there are, there are a few things that I'd like to chime in on this. Uh, first of all, Hawkins is taking a team that, World Cup aside, finished the season quite well, as opposed to Magleby, who is taking a team that was in a funk. So he, he's he, he's got something good that he could then build on. I think that's good. I think that Hawkins is a pretty pretty direct guy. I don't think he's really too hung up on friendships. I don't think um, it would bother him if somebody stormed out of practice and told him he was an SOB. And I, I don't think I don't think that I think that would roll off him pretty well. And he has to be able to do that because every coach has somehow run into something like that. Um, and, and so I think he might be able to handle I – don't, I don't think it's going to be too much of a big problem for him to cut someone he knows. Um, I think he wants players to move up. I, I'm curious to see if he juggles things around. You know, a big question, is he going to start Carlin Isles? Does, does he have a philosophical difference with Alex Magleby's approach to Carlin or something like that? Um, but here's, here's what I think about the player coaching thing. 
first of all, does it ever work in any sport? You know, because I started looking at it. I was trying to find young coaches because Hawkins is is very young. He's 30 years old. He just kind of behaves older than that. I think people would be surprised to find out he's only 30. But can you think of a player coach who was really, really successful? There's probably been a couple in soccer that I don't know about. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Very good example. Um, the the best. But as, Red, but as Red Auerbach said, Bill Russell's the best player in basketball, and the only person who could coach Bill Russell is Bill Russell. Yeah. The 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 best example that I have is Lou Boudreau, who was the manager of the Cleveland Indians in the 1940s, and was one of the best players in the league at the time. He was 24 years old when he took over the Indians, uh, and in 1948 he. He managed them to the World Series, and he was the most valuable player because he was the best player in the league, playing shortstop and manager of the team. Um, there are lots of examples in baseball of players who – player coaches who continue to play themselves. Lou Cronin was an example, not being able to play defense on shortstop anymore, uh, but still because he was the manager of the team, he played shortstop. Uh, people- and, then, and, then for, and then for the next five years after Boudreau, the, the Yankees had this little run. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So sorry here. Ripped this heart out. That that kind of did, yes. Uh, A little bit of a run, five straight pennants. Um, Five straight world. I was going to say five straight world series. Five straight world world championships. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference. Yeah, that's true. Five straight world championships. Um, Pete Rose was player manager because the only way he was going to break the hit record was if some if he stayed in the lineup, and so he's going to put himself in. Whereas Ty Cobb was also player manager for himself and actually benched himself. And I think that's the interesting thing is when somebody runs benches themselves. I keep bringing up baseball partly because I know a little bit more of that history, but you just, it's, it's easier to do it in baseball because you spend an awful lot of time sitting around and watching things develop rugby. You got to go out and play rugby and you can't really take a break for 20 minutes and say, let me just observe how things are developing right now. You can't do that. You're worried about playing. So I think it's it's extremely difficult to be a player coach. In, on the club level, we have it done quite a bit here in the States, right? James Isaacson uh, is a player coach, for example. Uh, Evan Haig over at Puget Sound until he blew out his knee again was a player coach. But I think I think it was difficult. When I would talk to them after the game, I would say, who did this, who did that? And they go, I don't know. I was at the bottom of a ruck. I have no idea. So um, I think ultimately the reason I bring all of that up is, is this. If Matt Hawkins is the player coach for the USA 7s team, when they start the season, by the end of calendar year 2013, he will not be. I'm pretty sure he's going to stop doing it. And I'm pretty sure he actually doesn't want to be player coach. I think he wants to be the coach. Well, I say rip the bandaid off early. Um, and let's find that next Matt Hawkins to put in the system, whether it's Pat Blair, whether it's Kellen Gordon, whether it's miles Craigwell, there's gotta be another forward somewhere who can help fill in the hole um, and, and fill in the void. And if it's not a, a young guy, maybe it's Peter Dahl. Maybe it's somebody else, but I say rip the Band-Aid off early, let Matt get settled in, you know, let himself get settled into the into the position and, and, and understand what, what goes on and all the demands of it and, and that sort of thing and, and not worry about the playing aspect. To me, it's a there's so much that he has to learn and get his hands on and do, learn through experience. Why give yourself that extra headache? Agreed. Yeah. Controversial. yeah, and you know, you, you – 
Brett Thompson came up pretty well. You know, you've got a you've got a guys Thompson, Holly, and Test. That's that's a start. That's a forward group that you start with, and then you bring in people to compete with them, and push them or replace them. Uh, you've got you've got a really good group without Hawkins. So let him coach. Not to mention Threaten Tuamo could be playing sevens by 2014 as well. Yeah, exactly. And then the, then we uh, then then we'll be waiting for Threaten and then uh, Nate Ebner, you did, right? You just sounded like Mr. You sounded like Mr. Burns when you said that. <laughs> exactly. 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 I actually, I'm pretty excited about Threaten Palamo, but he's been out of the game for quite a while and been jerked around in football a little bit. So I'm just uh, curious as to how that will go. But um, he may he may be a massive addition. I think we've got a lot of players who have potential to push for this sevens. You know, for the sevens team, the the issue with it is, do you? Uh, lift up your entire life and go to San Diego to become part of a development squad? Do you, does the academy system actually work and do you get noticed by going to Columbus, Ohio and playing for Tiger? Does well, that that's, work? That's, that, that's one thing that when Matt, in the story you wrote, um, you know, he, he wants to kind of get his hands dirty with the ODAs. Um, if these things are going to work, he needs to really get in there and reshape them because the idea got put out there, but as I am figuring out by talking to a lot of these guys, you know, they're not on the same page. Some of them are doing some things and some of them are doing other things. These are supposed to be Olympic development academies talking about sevens, but in Seattle, they've got a bunch of props filling half of their list because they want to work with their guys in 15s and give them extra work. So that's, I mean, I don't say there's anything wrong with that, but there's a lot of different things going on. So if, if, if we're going to talk about these academies and they're actually going to be pipelines, there is an awful lot of work that has to get done to make that happen. Because right now, I mean, you're t- you want to look at Glendale, what's happening at Glendale, essentially nothing. Essentially, they're practicing one day a week. Uh, Tiger Rugby, they're doing a lot of stuff, but Tiger is yet to really get out and play in those international tournaments since they've become an academy. So, and certainly none of these guys, none of these groups are playing that. I mean, I don't remember the number, but it was some large number amount of games that they were supposed to be playing and that was part of their requirements to play in seven to be an ODA. And there was a bunch of other requirements that none of them are getting close to meeting. So this whole ODA thing needs to be reworked and it'll be interesting how he puts his hand into it. But I do want to ask one. I mean, I think it's interesting. He's a Srevi employee, right? What does yeah. that do? How does that affect? I mean, I think it's, it's interesting that Srevi, a Srevi employee is now the head coach. Um, and he's not the head coach because he's a Sarevi employee, but how does Sarevi or Ben Gollings or the other guys within that company affect the way he works and how does, uh, the way he works affect the rest of everybody else? I mean, this is the, the fact that he's a Sarevi employee and maybe he's going to go to a couple of camps. Does that, is there a, uh, a conflict of interest there in making this independent company potentially benefit from it? Um, I don't know, but I'm curious, have you guys even put any thought into that or am I just, well, I I asked him, I asked him about that and his answer was, is in the article really, but he basically said he's not going to treat Serevi any differently. He still, he still cares about Tiger rugby and he still cares about, he still wants to connect with all of those, those development programs and actually get them, like he said, get a system going, um, get a purpose going with all of them. Uh, but at the same time, 
he's got that resource leaning on the you know the Serevi Wasseli Serevi Ben Gollings those people he's got that resource so you know it's not going to go away but i don't i i really don't think and from what what i know of Matt Hawkins i don't think he's going to play favorites he's not going to and i i think i i guess what we'll see is are we going to see some kind of subtle recruiting to say gee you really should move to seattle are we going to see any of that i don't know I don't, well, I mean, I don't. each coach has had their favorites, right? I mean, right. Al Caravilla used to say you should play here. Mike Tolkien will tell people, well, these are some of the clubs that you should probably be looking at, and maybe this one you shouldn't. So, I mean, every coach does that. Um, but the ODAs, it just it gets that stamp of being an ODA um, is what makes it a little bit different. Yeah, it's true. I don't think it's a big problem to have the coach guide people into – sensible programs this it it isn't like you're in a professional environment anywhere like a a professional setup meaning like the the top 14 or super rugby or or something like that you don't just go you don't know that yeah you go play for Toulon or or Toulouse or something like that or the Queensland Reds or the Hurricanes or whoever it you go and a lot of these guys are 20 years old and they don't know anything. And they hear a lot of nonsense from essentially snake oil salesmen. And if they're not guided into a, a proper program, they could lose three years of, of development. True. Quickly. Very true. So we have some questions, and I think I think there are definitely some questions to that, that need to be answered, and, and including the fact that there's probably going to be some holes on that that national team, and uh, you know there are going to be some contracts possibly available for the the rest of the year. How does Hawkins get involved in that? Who is he going to put in there? And and really that'll be the first indication we get of what are the players that he likes. Because right now he's got certain players, and he may, in a way, have to play certain players. But the contracts are up at the end of the year. They get new ones in January. Who are they going to be? And we could see some some big shifts. No, definitely. I, I can't wait to see, you know, every time we get a new coach in any of the setups, I think it's interesting to see who are some of the guys that they bring back that maybe weren't around, who are some of the new guys that they bring in. So it will, it will be interesting to see what, you know, I think we'll find out pretty early on in his selections who he likes and who he doesn't. And I think that's going to be definitely interesting to watch. You know, is Miles Craigwell, is he going to jump in because of their familiarity? I mean, maybe he likes that guy. And that's just an example out of the blue that's, again, pure speculation. But but it's, it's an example you and I have been talking about because we think that Craigwell has actually been playing really well. Yeah, no, I think Miles Craigwell is definitely, you know, in the top 15 – guys in the country that should be in the setup. Now, does Miles does Miles want to be in the setup? Does he want a contract? Yes. Or does Miles want to be paid like a Well, he, he wants to be on the national team. Does he want a contract? Does he want to be paid the pittance that they pay the the players? The other the other big thing about it actually, uh, you know, talking about the contracts is that the Winter Olympics are coming next February. That's one of the reasons why the USA Sevens is – it's actually the main reason why the USA Sevens has been moved back to January for this uh, coming year. When the Winter Olympics are over, we get the next mini-cycle. So you've got your four-year Olympic cycle, Olympic cycle between the summer game, each summer games. But 
once the Winter Olympics are done, then the U.S. Olympic Committee concentrates on the next event. And, of course, the next event would be the Summer Games in 2016 in Rio. So there's more effort, more money put into the Summer Games. That, as I understand it, means that there could be more money for the players. Uh, I, I cer- certainly would be more opportunity for more players to be on contract. And, uh, and really, they can do either way. They could, they could just... Uh, keep 12 guys in in there or 14 guys in there and and pay them more or they could pay those guys a little bit more and bring in five or six more people i don't know but there's going to be more money around for the players which may might make it more attractive for an older player somebody in his mid-20s as opposed to somebody who's 18 or 19 to go down and uh, try to make the team and what about you know what happens if that the thing we've talked about if Todd Clever comes back or Chris Wiles comes back or Paul Emmerich comes back and wants to rejoin the team and become an Olympian? Uh, what happen? I mean, that's an interesting dynamic for for Matt as well. Right now, Matt is older than everybody else on the team. He's you know more capped than pretty much everybody on the team. He's got you know he's just as decorated or more so than everybody on the team. But what happens if uh, somebody who let's say is older, has made more money, has more caps and is more decorated shows up. That's going to be an interesting dynamic in how that works as well. I don't know. I just, uh, I I don't know what you think about this, Bruce, but um, if, if that was an existing situation, if there were two leaders on the team and one of them became head coach, I think that would be a difficult dynamic, but Hawkins became the clear leader on this existing team. If somebody like Todd Clever comes in, I'm quite sure Todd would say, you're the coach, you're the boss, I'm here to play and help. And I think coming, somebody coming in from outside, it's a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah. It's, it, I don't think it's a big issue at all. I mean, Todd is any of those guys. They're not a coach. They're not. Matt's the coach. And I understand where Pat is coming from, but – if it's going to be a problem, you just don't even have it creep up. You don't even pick them if it's going to be a problem. I would imagine – I really believe that 7s and 15s are two completely different games. And if the players are playing that often, they're playing 7s and they're in the Olympic training center and they're doing all these things and they're playing year-round, and how could they not be better? And if they're not – then what the hell are we wasting our time on? I mean, honestly. That's a good point. No, it's true. I mean – They I better mean, be. It's like when guys talk about club rugby, like, I go to practice. I'm like, well, then how could you not be better than a guy who doesn't? Do you not lift weights? Do you not do – they're not doing something. If they're not better, they're not doing something. Or they're not that good. And, you know, this is money time and – and that's the way I feel about it is if they're going to commit and be, be the man, then be the man. And don't be afraid to be awesome. It's somebody's got to be the best. You know, somebody's got to win the game. It's being played, so you may as well win it. That's my thought. But, you know, I mean, so I don't think it'll be an issue. I, I think that would be less of an issue than having to deal with the guys he's been dealing with the whole way. Right. Well, what we've got then is a young Matt Hawkins, but perhaps older than his years and a potential player coach, something that I think most people think he's not going to do. Uh, But perhaps, 
I don't know. I just get the sense of somebody who's not fooling himself, and that's probably the most important thing. We're going to be right back, and we're going to talk Eagles, uh, 15's Eagles, here on Rugged Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Okay, well, we're back on Rugby Matrix America. We were talking about the new Sevens head coach. We've now moved to the 15s team, and we are uh, just about a week away from – a little bit more than a week away from the USA playing Canada in Blackboat Stadium in Charleston, South Carolina. Then they're going to go up to Toronto at BMO Field and play again. That's a two-game series to see who qualifies for the World Cup. The loser will still get a shot. They'll probably be playing Uruguay next year. But everybody wants to get it done now. It just makes it a lot easier, cuts down on some expense, uh, helps you plan a little bit more. Um, So, guys, the last time the USA beat Canada was 2009 in the World Cup qualifiers. They beat them 12-6 in Charleston, and maybe that's why this game is put back in Charleston, thought of as good luck. Um, but then they went up to Edmonton and, uh, the wheels fell off first half in that game. So where are we with this team? Is, is there even really uh, a hope considering that the Eagles as close as the games have been, and they were very close game this year already. The Eagles have not been able to beat Canada. It's put up or shut up time. I mean, the, the results have been close enough. Um, this is a must win in my opinion. And I think it's huge for, for Mike Tolkien as a coach, I think it's huge for Todd Clever as a captain. I think it's huge for the team in general. Um, obviously, you want to you want to qualify for the World Cup, but more than anything, you've lost five games in a row, and pride's on the line. And you know there could be potentially even more than that for for somebody. So I think that I think it's huge. I think that um, the team can win the game. They need to win the game, and I, and I think that they will. I really do. I think that they'll go in there and win it, and, and they've got more hanging in the balance than Canada does, uh, especially knowing Canada has that return game. So uh, I, I think that it's as close to a must-win as you can possibly have this far away from, say, the World Cup and uh, it not being uh, in a tournament-based competition. I, it, it's absolutely massive. I, I think they have to be brave. Uh, I think that it's just the first half of really two halves with a week in between it. Um, there's one champ, you know, that's the way it goes. There's this, this, uh, this two game set. There's one, there's one, there's one winner. And I think that what the Eagles have to do is they have to be very competitive and, you know, they have to they have to be able to to give so much effort that they can cut Canada down to size and they can help Canada or force Canada to play below their abilities. And, and I think that if you're really competitive, you, you can influence the way your opponent plays. And I think that the Eagles need to get that competitive edge into their game. They need to play smarter. They need to play with courage and they need to believe and play with pressure. I, I think that 
you know, when it when it really comes comes through, when it really comes down to it, they're going to need to lean on big players, and big players come through in critical situations. And and you know, you hear when people say, "I want to be in a foxhole with that guy," or all that kind of, you know. Well, look, there's going to be guys on that team with a lot of caps. They're getting older. I mean, they're young guys, but they're getting older. And to sit and say that, you know, Brian Doyle's been an Eagle since. 2008-2009. Louis Stanfield's been an Eagle since 2006 or 2007. Todd's been an Eagle since 2003. Petrie's been an Eagle, I think, since 2007. And that's a long time now. Wiles has been an Eagle for a while. You know, Pittman's been an Eagle for a while. These guys have to step up and play big in a big situation. And I think that that's really what it comes down to that the big players are going to have to play well and the fact of the matter is the eagles are laden with big name players and they're laden with guys who have a tremendous amount of experience if you just go through and you say you know um pitman fry biller um doyle stanfill Lavala, Samu, and Clever, or you say McDonald or Mate, it doesn't matter who you throw in. They have an enormous amount of experience. Petri, Robbie Shaw have an enormous amount of experience. Toby Lestrange doesn't have an, a great amount of experience, but he's got pretty good experience, and they're going to go with him. Sunil has got an enormous amount of experience. I would imagine that they're going to go with Seamus Kelly. I don't know. I mean, whether they use Roland Suniel or however they do it, but I think you're right. I think they're going. I would with imagine Kelly. they're going to go with Seamus, who doesn't have an enormous amount of experience, but he has an enormous amount of experience in being under pressure, and he's been coached by Tolkien since he was 15 or 14. So he has an enormous amount of experience in that sort of system. Wiles has the experience. Naguanya has the experience, and Hume has rugby league and and sevens and he's been in high pressure situations so the fact is they don't have guys who aren't experienced they don't have guys who shouldn't have a big game that team is filled with people who should play well what they really need to do is start to play well together and i think that they do it in spurts but i don't think that they do it consistently and until they start to do it consistently, and this has to be the one, this has to be the two-game set that's the breakout game. And it can't be a play-safe game. It's got to be something where they play with courage and they try to do things. It's got to be things where guys really support, guys really put line speed pressure on people, where our scrum gets set right, where our line-out operates fully. And where our back line really penetrates and strikes. There's been some tentative play. I think that Toby has to stay more shallow as a fly half. I think that we have to counterattack with more effectiveness. I think that we have to get go forward from our forwards. I think that we have to get go forward and penetration from somebody. We're essentially relying on Luke Hume to get us a lot of our penetration. I think that that's going to come from quick ball and making decisive actions. 
So there's a lot of things that are about ready to happen, but there's really no excuse for them not to happen now. We're a better team than Canada. I really do believe that. I'm not saying that we're that much better, but we are better. Like if you were to say, who would you rather have? Carpenter or Lavala? Who, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you go through and you start to we have a lot of guys that, we, that they'd rather have. The thing where Canada has an advantage over us is Pritchard's a sharpshooter. And we don't have one. So if we get into a battle of penalties and if Wiles is hot, great. But if he's not, we're in deep trouble. And Pritchard, if it's a battle of penalties, is probably going to make a lot of them. So we're going to need to play a territorial game. We're going to need to be in their end so that he can't if we cause errors on ourselves that we can't sharpshooter, we can't give the sharpshooter a chance. We have to press the defensive line out because if we're going to play in their end, if we do get penalized and they kick it back, we've got to really press the line out defensively. Our scrum has to come to play. We have to penetrate through our forwards and through our midfield better than we have done. And I think that we've got to finish off our half breaks and, and little things. It's little things done well that are going to win the game. And it's little things done well over and over and over. It's boring. Quality rugby's boring. It's ruck after ruck. I don't know. Ruck. I don't know. They, they looked, I mean, I, I thought it was fun to see them actually play some things well against Japan. I no, like, no, no. What I'm I saying like, is quality It's boring to do, rugby, right? Sorry. Quality rugby that's ruthless and consistent is boring. As a player, it's just, Bam, I hit a ruck, boom, it balls out. Bam, I hit a ruck, boom, balls out. I reset. They got to be the best on the day at things that don't take any any ability. Doesn't take any ability to have a good attitude. Doesn't take any ability to react properly to a crappy situation. Doesn't take any ability to get yourself into position. Doesn't take any ability to hustle. It doesn't take any ability to chase a kick. You don't have to be you don't have to be good at anything to do with rugby to get up off the ground. But they got to be the best at doing all that stuff. And if they're not, they're going to come out second best. So it's all the BS that they got to be the best at. And then the other stuff will take care of itself. That's they got to hit rocks. They got to keep their feet. They got to do things that they need to do, and they got to do them with ruthless efficiency. And that's what I mean by boring. I don't mean that there's some exciting stuff. Right. No, and I understand. it wasn't exciting to watch them get killed by Japan. They Yeah, they had a couple yeah. of decent movements, but that wasn't exciting. That was a disaster. True. As bad of a disaster as they've had. And they can't play like that. That, that's inconsistent. It has to be consistent. Ruthless consistency. Like I said, and, and it's just, and it's something that I know that they're looking to do. Um, I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure that they are. And if they do that, they can play really well. But if they try to do it the easy way, probably isn't going to happen. Because it, it's not going to be easy. There's too much at stake. But we have big-name players. 
who've been in big games and who know what it takes and who understand what they have to do. The bottom line is they got to do it and they know it and they're prepared to bring that noise. But there are no excuses. We have the ability to win. We have the player pool to win and we should win. And it is going to be very close. They are as they are almost as good as us, I think, on paper. They have that differentiator in the fact that they have a sharpshooter. So we have to overcome that. And as, and as you mentioned, overcome so, that doing the little things. So often Canada does, plays to win, no matter – as opposed to playing not to lose – and we've we've seen that so many times where Canada wins on on a fluke play. What seems well, like that's a what, fluke that's play. What I, that's what I meant by the U.S. has to play with courage. Yep. And then we can't have a play-safe game plan. Because a play-safe game plan, teams kill the ball and make you make your kicks. And if you're going to travel by threes against a team that's going to travel by fives and sevens, it's difficult to keep up. I think that we have to play a game that is courageous. And I think that we have to be willing to execute our skills. We have a very good team. And like I said, when you look, you know, you look at all those guys, Wiles is at Saracens, Laval is at Stodd, uh, uh, Samu's at Northampton. You know, I mean, you, as you're going through, Nguyen in Bear Ritz. And, and and as you're walking through that team, you're seeing guys who were clever, was in Super 15 rugby, and I, Louis play. You know, there's a lot of guys who've who've got a lot of experience overseas and domestically. They've they've been there, done that, and there's now it's time to play. I would. I, I, I know. I know you're not really caught up in these semantics, but uh, you know they have a really good collection of players. We'd like to see them have a really good team. Well, I, I think that I, I, mean, I, I, I have I, a I, collection of players, but is I, I, agree, I agree with you. I agree with you, Alex. And that's what I was saying is that it, they got to be a team. They're going to have to start to play better as a team. I, I think I said that earlier. That. There are no excuses. And it's not that these guys haven't played together. It's not that they haven't practiced. You know, maybe they haven't had some uh, Samu and, and a couple other people. But at the end of the day, they're all professionals. They know what they're doing. And they're no different of a boat than the Canadian guys. And I think that we should – I think that we should win. I mean, I'm going to be at both games, so I'm hoping – thoroughly that we win i spent quite a bit of money on plane tickets and hotels and etc so you know obviously i think that we are going to win but the um but i do think that we're going to have to bring it to win they're certainly not going to lay down and die and we're going to have to play 160 minutes of rugby and we are not going to be able to f around and we're going to have to play that the right way. That's I really feel that way, and well, I think uh, that they're they're ready to do it. 
because they're, they're an experienced team now. To say they're an inexperienced team is nonsense. They're an experienced team. And they've had the opportunity as a coaching staff to be able to communicate to all of them exa- exactly what they expect. They, you know, it, it, it's, there are no secrets. And they just have to perform. Canada has performed to some extent over the, over the recent times. But I still think we'll do a breakout game. I, I just think that we need to be a better team. I think that we need better cohesion. And hopefully that comes. All right. Do they do it? Pat Clifton, do they win? I think they win in South Carolina. I think they lose in Canada. I don't. I can't tell you whether they win the series or not. But do I have to pick? Bruce, you want no, me to- no. Well, Jesus Christ, after that article you wrote, I would think I was watching that South Park movie. Well, I mean, I, I, Lucy, I, I really don't get it. I don't understand how we can take it so nonchalantly. These being this, being worse in Canada, I don't, I don't understand why it's such a casual thing. And maybe it's not behind closed doors, but I know that I get blown off an awful lot when I ask players and coaches about Canada, and they really don't like to talk about it. And to me, it just makes zero sense. Why? why we aren't sitting here talking about beating Canada more often. Why are we talking about becoming a top, you know, a tier one team? Why are we talking about finishing top four in the world in sevens when we can't even beat Canada? It doesn't make any sense to me. Let's set the sights somewhere that's attainable, which is beating Canada more than we lose to them. And let's take care of business where that's concerned. I agree. 2006, we lost to Canada by 49 points. And uh, nobody did anything. Nobody cared. Everyone's kind of, sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, "Me, I guess, I guess we're not going to be competitive." And it was a very bad time when we started to ex- seem to be accepting that we were, that America wasn't good enough, and that's uh, and that's not a good, not a good place to be. Uh, Bruce, you think they win? I think they should. I think they win. I think they should win. Yeah. But I've been saying that from day one. I think they should win. They're a better team. On I'm paper, they're a better team. On the field, they have to prove it. They haven't proven it on the field yet because I, I just – but they do a breakout game. I'm just waiting for when it is, and I'm hoping that it's in South Carolina and then that the second follow-up breakout game is in, is in, uh, is in Toronto so that I can enjoy alcohol amongst my Canadian friends who are prepared to bust my chops – Couple of steam whistles. Things go wrong. Right. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Pat here. I'm going to say they're going to uh, win in South Carolina. They're going to lose the game in Toronto. I think if they win in South Carolina by ten points or more, they win the series. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Rugged Matrix America. Don't forget to check out Rugged Matrix America on iTunes, and you can always go to the. Uh, Apple Store to subscribe to Rugby Magazine. And what you have to do there, just so you know, is you actually download an app. The app is free, and the app by Pixel Mags allows you then to subscribe to the magazine. So you download the app, then you subscribe to the magazine. You can also subscribe to RugbyMag.com Premier to check out the magazine there and also our exclusive content. But you can go to RugbyMag.com at all times for all the free content. There's tons of free content there and uh, tons of news about every aspect of the game from the kids all the way to the superstars. 
Uh, we appreciate you listening to us here. And for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Scott from RugbyMac.com saying thanks a lot for listening to Rugga Matrix America. Mm-hmm.